0: Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so, if you have your Bibles this morning, and you will, if you will find 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, as we are going verse by verse through this book, and I have some cards that I want to read to you. And you say, Jake, why do you read cards on a Sunday morning? Because sometimes it's easy to think that uh, watching church online or just showing up for a week uh, for an hour a week is that 's church. that 's everything that it 's about, but it 's not. Church is about worshiping God, it 's about serving God. it 's about loving each other. And so I read these cards to remind you that loving one another, showing people that you care about them, is a huge part of what the church is about. And so the first card I have to you today is from Bud Seaford and his family. Uh, the pastoring of Brother Bud. and says, Ten Mile Church, thank you so much for the angel with keepsake box. That was so kind and thoughtful. I collect angels, so I will add this to my collection. Thank you for all of your prayers and love for my mom and dad. Over the years, it is truly appreciated. Dad has wanted to go home to Jesus since mom died. And I know mom and Terry were waiting with open arms. I would have loved to have seen Dad when he walked up to Jesus and heard, Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. And that's from John and Debbie. The next card I have from you this morning is, and for you that write cards and put something to me, I always skip it. And so if you don't like that, just get over it. But um, uh, we want to thank Ten Mile Baptist Church for your prayers, love, and sympathy during the illness and passing of my brother, Craig Ballard. The flower basket was beautiful and so thoughtful, and we feel so grateful to have you as our church family. And that is from the Brad and Leanne Jones family. Two more this morning. Angels Cove would like to thank you for your recent baby wipe donation. We are grateful for your support of our ministry. We currently have two ladies residing here with babies expected soon. Thank you again and we pray the Lord blesses you. That's from Angels Cove and and Grace Haven and the Baptist Children's Home. And the final one here is from Opdike Baptist Church. If you're not aware, Opdike Baptist Church's pastor passed away. And some ladies from our church went and served their funeral meal so that they could be with their family and church family as they dealt with the loss of their pastor. And so it says, and there's numerous people who signed this, it says, To all those who served at the funeral of Keith Neal, Pastor Opdyke Baptist Church, thank you for giving of your time and energy. You exemplify John 15, 12. Your group from 10 Mile was such a blessing. Thank you for your help. And so remember that what you do to serve the kingdom of God matters. And one day it might be you on the receiving end of what it means to be loved by one another. And so, if you found 1 Samuel chapter 16, I just want to recap with you, since I was gone last week, that we started 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we started looking at these decisions that you and I have to make when we are following God and being who He wants us to be. Starting in Samuel 16 verse 1, we looked at, we don't let our past defeats control us. Many of us let our defeats and discouragements from the past keep us from being who God wants us to be. We looked that we have to believe that God has a purpose for my life, not just everyone else's life. God has a purpose for me. And then we looked in verse 2, how we don't let fear stop us. Whether it's a fear of failure, it's a fear of what other people think of us, we can't let that keep us from being who God wanted us to be. 2 weeks ago we continued on and we looked at how God wants us to be obedient even when we have fears and doubt. All of us have fear, all of us have doubt, and if we're not careful, disobedience creeps in. In verse 6, we looked at how God wants us to have his wisdom, not the wisdom of this world. And then in verses 8 through 13, we looked that God has a plan, but he also has a way to provide that God does not ask you to do something without providing what is necessary. And so, when we come to verse fourteen here of chapter sixteen, King Saul has made some terrible decisions. God has rejected him as king. He and last two weeks ago we looked at how and David had been anointed as king by Samuel. And so Samuel has anointed David. Samuel has went back to his house. David has went on with his life. Saul is living his life. And today I want to talk to you about the choice to be faithful. You see, all of us deal with discouragement. All of us deal with difficulties. All of us go through times of blessing and times of challenges. And the question is not what God allows to come into my life. God is in control of that. God is in control of protecting me or allowing things to happen from other people. How many of you have ever worked with someone who you literally thought was the biggest jerk in the whole world? Some of you need to know something. Someone has probably said the same thing about you, okay? Okay? But sometimes we think that because someone treats us a certain way, then that justifies my actions. Or I was raised a certain way, so I can live this way now. But today I want to show you that what God allows to come into your life, whether you consider it a tragedy, whether it is a difficulty, whether it is whatever it looks like, that God has a purpose in it, and your choice is to respond in kind. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, We're going to start in verse 13, and we're going to read through the end of this chapter. starts in verse 13 and says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. In verse 14, this is our text for today. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player of the harp. And it shall be that he will play it in his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well, And bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came and saw to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse saying, Please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Pray with me. Father, today we thank you for this wonderful time of worship. We thank you, Lord, for the family that joined in the first service. Lord, we thank you for the young lady who was saved at home this week. And we got to talk to her today about baptism and her salvation, experience, and what it means to her now, Lord, and that relationship she has with you. And so Father, we just pray that you're going to do great things in this service. Lord, from saving to convicting, to encouraging. Lord, whatever needs to happen, only you can do it. And so Father, I ask forgiveness for my sinfulness, my feebleness, Lord, and just pray that you would speak. Lord, that everything that can good that can come from today will be because of you and not me. And Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So today I want you just to think about your life and those times of your life when you have said, well, I know I shouldn't, but. Or I know that I would, but. Or if I had that kind of opportunity, I could. We love to do that. We love to put our success, our failures, our victories, our defeats on the fact that we didn't have the right opportunities or the right situation and today I want to show you that God has a purpose and a plan in your life and today you can either decide to respond to those situations and be who God wants you to be or you can be like Saul you see Saul had every opportunity to serve God he had every opportunity to be a godly king but yet he was too worried about what other people thought he wanted to have his sin, but also be thought of as a godly person. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, then I really hope that you will for two reasons. One, you need to make sure that what you are hearing is the word of God. And two, for you to go back through it this week, study and learn what God has for you. And so the first thing I want to show you this morning is that God's ways are above our ways. You see, King David had been anointed. He had been told that he was going to be the king and then life went back to normal. He went back to his. Samuel went back to his. Saul still doing his thing. But look what it says here in verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is is troubling you. I want to show you the significance of this. In the New Testament, the Bible teaches us that salvation is when God saves you, forgives you of your sin, and the Spirit of God comes and indwells you. He lives within you. But we also see in the Scripture, in the Old Testament, that the Holy Spirit would fall upon someone when God had a great task or a great mission or something great that He wanted them to accomplish. And so when the Bible teaches that the Spirit of the Lord is coming on someone and coming upon someone, that is for service, not salvation. We believe that when the Spirit of God indwells you, He is with you forever. You see, friends, the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means that you are hindering what God is wanting to do in your life. And I want you to think about this because if God gives you the warning to not grieve the Holy Spirit, it is probably because you can make the choice to do what? Grieve the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is, not only does Saul lose the power of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the blessing of God on his life, but listen to what it says in verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. You see, God allowed this and caused this to happen. You say, Jake, what about that God is all love, that God only wants to bless, that God only wants to work, that God only wants to do good things to me? I want to show you three ways that the Spirit of God works that sometimes doesn't fit the way we like it to. The first is this. Sometimes the Spirit of God allows consequences for our choices. Saul was going through this because he had chose to reject God. He had chose that he was not going to honor God's commands, that he wasn't going to lead the nation that God wanted him to be. And friends, you need to know something, that some of the drama, some of the problems, some of the situations that you are going through today are you are reaping what you have sowed. Now, the Bible does teach us, though, that every time something bad happens, we don't say, well, you must be a bigger sinner than me, because Jesus, talking about the tower that fell, says they were no worse than you. I want you to, next time you get close enough to me to to not smell my bad breath, you look at my nose and I have a terrible scar on my nose. I got eight stitches there when I was younger and living not for the Lord. And every time I look in the mirror, I see that scar. And every time I see that scar, I see the consequences of my sinful decision. That doesn't mean I'm not saved. God saved me. God forgave me. God put me in the palm of his hand. I'm a part of the family of God. I'm going to heaven someday. And I have prayed and prayed and prayed. God, if you could just miraculously make that scar go away, it'd be a testimony to how good you are. And God reminds me no, that's a reminder for you to remember that there are consequences. To sin, And friends, I don't believe it is an accident today that we celebrate our nation and that God has been so good to us that we need to be reminded that we are not immune from the consequences of our sin. And we as a nation are reaping for ourselves a great judgment by rejecting God and His Word and the things of God as a country. But that also happens as a family. Many of you are struggling today in your marriage not because... The, your wife is just difficult to get along with, or your husband has put on 65 pounds and is a slob. But uh, many of you are struggling today because consequences of sinful decisions you've made in the past. That decision to, to go somewhere that you shouldn't have gone, to have a relationship that you shouldn't have had, and that trust that is struggling today. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, that God is not going to use you, that God doesn't have a plan for you. But you need to understand and I need to understand that there are consequences for sin. I am thankful though that when you are saved and forgiven and born again that the consequences of sin are only temporary. That was really good. I don't know what happened last week, but that was really, really good. The Bible says that when God saves you and forgives you from a heavenly perspective, from His view, they are what? Forgiven. They are forgotten. Some of you have forgotten how wicked you were because that should cause great joy. That yes, I might have to deal with the fact that someone doesn't like me because of my past, but I remember this one thing, that the moment that God saved me, He loved me, He forgave me, and He cares about me. You see, the temporary consequences of sin. But the second way that the Spirit of God works is not just allowing the consequences of our sin, but that God corrects us. The Bible says, Whom the Lord loves, He chastens or disciplines. Many times, God will allow things or cause things to happen in your life because God knows that you are His, knows that you love Him, but things have snuck into your life that shouldn't be there. You see, Saul was facing the consequences of his sin, but many times we are facing the correction that God has brought into our life because we have allowed things that shouldn't be there. Friends, I want you to know today that most of us struggle with pride, if not all of us. You say, not me, Jake, I'm the most humble person on the planet, I don't want anything about me. You're probably false humility. But... God will allow things, if you're really His, to come in and knock that pride out of you. God will allow things to happen in your life that will bring discomfort for you to rely on Him more. And so the Spirit of God will allow consequences. There will be correction, but also God will allow things to go on in your life through the Spirit to test your faith. You see, most of us think we have hero faith. But yet when the trials and tribulations of start, we have zero faith. But yet God, in those moments of great trial, those those moments that you don't think that you can make it, those moments that you think you're overwhelmed, God is allowing your faith to be tested so that you can know that you are His. That you can know that God is with you. That you can know that God is able. That God is willing to work and move in your life. And so what we see here is that God allows and God brings this about. But if you study these two verses in the Hebrew, and you really look at their their graphics of how they're put together, it is really about, though, the response. Because if you remember what it says there, his advisors say, this is from God. And if Saul really cared about his relationship with God, and today if you really care about your relationship with God, you need to understand something. There are temporary fixes that mask the problem. Or there are eternal fixes that change it. You see, Saul just wanted relief. He didn't want restoration. You see, Saul wanted temporary peace. He didn't care about peace with God. And that's why they say, find a harp player. Find someone who can play this. But he should have said, I need to go to God. Find forgiveness. I need to find God and His restoration. And so many times that happens. Think about this. Think about it in marriage. Well, my wife and I, we fight all the time. And I tell you what, she's just not what she used to be. You know, I think I'll trade her in for a newer model. She'll probably be easier to get along with and easier on the eyes. And what you realize is that newer model has squeaks and dents and bangs in it as well. And so that problem that you were having in this marriage, in this relationship, have now carried over. Why? Because that's a temporary fix. To an eternal difference that God can make. God is the one that can teach you how to love. And to forgive your husband or wife. It won't matter if you change to 17 different ones. The problem is a God fix. Same way about church. Every church has problems. Every pastor struggles. Every congregation has problems. And the answer is usually is, I'll just find this one, and then I'll try this one, and I'll try this one, and eventually I'll find one that is perfect for me. No, those are temporary fixes for God-sized problems that can be fixed. Think about it at work. You say, boy, my co-workers, I'm telling you what, they're lazy, they're they're mouthy, they they don't they're not easy to work with. I'll just find a new job, and I'm sure everybody's better over there. You change jobs 37 times and you realize something. People stink everywhere, right? If Jesus isn't in them, there's nothing good about them. You see, there are eternal differences that God can make, how to love your enemies, how to forgive those who hurt you, but yet the temporary fixes is what most of us want look for and Saul was looking for a temporary fix to an eternal problem second thing I want to show you is not only does God's ways above our ways the second thing is that God knew how to find David and he knows how to find you look what it says here in verses 16 and 17 let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player of the harp And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you. And you shall be well. So Saul said to the servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Now listen to verse 18. Because we've seen the need and God had prepared exactly the person to fulfill that need. Look what it says in verse 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, look. I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Today I want to challenge you that no matter what trial you're going through, no matter what tribulation you're facing, no matter how bad people speak of you, no matter how bad someone has hurt you, whatever you are going through, God knows your need and knows how to provide. God knew that at this day and at this point in time and had prepared that there would need a harp player. And he had gave David the abilities and the gifts to do it. You say, well, Jake, I can't play a harp. Well, that's okay. You have other gifts. You say, I don't have any spiritual gifts, Jake. I've looked for years. There are none. Then you're calling God a liar. The Bible says that every Christian has at least one. And God gave you that gift, knowing and having a purpose for you to fill it. And so I want you to just run through these cards really quick. You say, Jake, you're bringing the cards out again? Absolutely, I am. This card to the church who lost their pastor, a wonderful godly man, a wonderful godly church, wonderful Christian people, had the privilege of preaching a revival there a couple years ago. You say, Jake, all they did was prepare a meal and went and served it on a Saturday. What difference does that make? To one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve names. It meant the world. You say, Jay, but cooking a meal, that's not a skill. I mean, you can go to McDonald's and find a meal, yeah, but it's different. God had appointed for them to use the gift that he gave them to help these people in their time of need. You say, Well, Jake, I I I don't understand. I don't I don't have any cooking skill. Well, here's another one. Angels Cove would like to thank you for the recent baby wipe donation. I don't know how many there were out there, but it was enough to even could have taken care of my family. And so that's a lot of baby wipes. We are grateful for your support of our ministry. We currently have two ladies residing here with babies expected soon. Two mothers who the world tells shouldn't keep that child, that it's not a child, that that child doesn't matter. Made a choice because their situations are difficult, because their situations are overwhelming, to choose life. They chose life and needed someone to come alongside them and love them and care for them and be there. And so your kids running in wanting to spend $6 on baby wipes might have been an inconvenience to you. It might have made the Dollar General girl at Dahlgren smile when we were going in there every stinking day. right? They're like, how many more kids did you have? Right? None, okay? But to those two ladies, it will make an eternal difference. And so many times you say, well, Jake, being here at church is not that important, you know, or, or what does it matter if I'm not in Sunday school today, or what does it matter if I don't serve in vacation Bible school this year, or what does it matter if my nursery week someone fills in for me? Those things happen, but I am telling you that God has created you fearfully and wonderfully made. He has given you exactly what He needs and what He wants you to do with that, and He has given you opportunities, and He is making a way for you to be faithful if you will. You see, just like David, you can be used by God. You might be sitting in front of someone who has lost their job and you knew what it was like to lose your job and be unemployed for a year. And God allowed you to go through that so that you could look at them and sit down for coffee one day and say, Hey, I know it seems hopeless. I know it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better, but God will be with you. You might be sitting next to someone who's buried a spouse or a child and they have just recently done that and you can sit down and talk to them and say, hey, I know that it seems hopeless. I know that it seems like you're never going to have a a bright and sunshiny day but I'm telling you, I've been there and God's been with you. and God will be with you. You might be sitting next to a couple that's sitting here today saying, tomorrow we're headed to the courthouse or on Tuesday because it's closed tomorrow and we're filing for divorce because this marriage is over and this marriage is useless. And you can look at them and say, I know it seems hopeless. I know it doesn't seem possible, but we were there and God was with us and God has given us a love and an ability to forgive and we have a marriage that we never thought we could have. You say, well, Jake, I don't have any of those things. Maybe you got a prodigal child but you didn't know that person sitting next to you had a prodigal child as well but God brought them home and you can look over them and say hey, I know that you've got a lot of tear filled nights ahead of you and I know you've got a lot of heartbreaks ahead of you but God brings back what is His you say, Jake, those aren't important things that's not the sermon that's not the music that's not the, the big giving no, but it's what God created for you to do And it's the door and opportunity that God has given you to step through. And how many opportunities do we miss? Because we're not where God wants us, not being who God wants us to be. I'm not talking about just at church. I'm talking about the little girl at the restaurant. I'm talking about the person that's broke down on the side of the road. I'm talking about the person that picks up your trash. I'm talking about everywhere you go, everyone you meet, that God created you for a purpose and He has a plan for your life because that's what He knows. And he found David. But I also want to show you something here in verses 18 through 23. The last thing I want to show you this morning is that you have to trust God's plan. I don't know if you know this or not, but can you imagine being Jesse, getting a letter from the king, who just recently, your son, was anointed to take his spot? And that letter says, hey, would you send him to me? Now, if I'm Jesse, I'm thinking... He's heard about it. And I don't know if you know this or not, but to make a new king with a king already alive is treason. If I'm Jesse, I'm saying, pack your stuff, sneak out the back door, and go live with the Philistines. Or, don't worry about it, son. Don't go down there. You're going to be king anyway. But I want to show you something. In difficult situations, God doesn't expect you or require you to understand He asks you to be faithful. And look what it says here, starting in verse 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. You see, David was already doing what God asked him to do even before anyone else was watching. And you might be saying, well, Jake, I don't, I I want to do more for God. Or it's my first Sunday here and I want to be in charge at church. Or it's my first week on the job and I want to be the boss. And Friends, sometimes you just have to have integrity when no one's watching. And when God's ready to give you more, He will. And that's what David was doing. David was being faithful when no one was watching. But yet God knew where to shine the light. It goes on in verse 19 and says, Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So David, he knows, is with the sheep. If I'm Jesse, I'm thinking, if he knows he's with the sheep, did he know he was with Samuel? And if he knows he was with Samuel, does he know that he's been appointed king? And if he knows he's been appointed king, our whole family are treasonous. We're all treason. And treason is punishable by death. But listen to how Jesse responds. And I want to show you this, parents. And we're going to hang out here for just a minute. And Jesse took a donkey, loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly and became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. You see, Jesse had a choice to make. He could have said, we've got to get out of town, we've got to run, who knows what we know, but he trusted God. And not only did he trust God, he did it in a way that was respectful and honoring. Not only did he send his son who he and his brothers knew had been anointed king, to the very king who he was going to take his spot, he sent a gift out of respect and reverence. Why? Because he trusted that if God had called his son and had given his son a purpose and a plan that he would provide. Now, I want to show you something, because what happens when David gets to the palace? Because if I'm David, I'm thinking the same thing. That's my chair, buddy, that you're sitting in. Maybe, I, maybe it's God's will that I just sneak in there and take you out, and I'll be king. Or maybe maybe he's heard and he's going to take me out. But what does David do? David came to stall and stood before him and loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer and served faithfully. Where do you think David learned to trust God and serve faithfully, even in a difficult situation? Jesse. What do you think David would have done if Jesse would have got that letter and said, I ain't sending my boy. He's got to watch the sheep. They might take his life. I want you to hear this, parents. There is one place that your children need to see someone who loves God, who loves their mother or father, who loves the Word of God, who is loving and committed to the local church. It's you. Parents, it is your job to model what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus when times are tough, that teaches them what it takes. Now, I know, parents, that you will come to an age where your children don't want to come to church. Sermon's too long, music's not cool enough, you know, the, the... the pastor screams too much right my sunday school teachers not cool enough you know the 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 boy sitting next to me hasn't showered in 2 weeks in sunday school whatever it is but i want you to look up here is friends the world will teach them to quit but you teach them that they need the things of god i know their schedule's going to get busy and it's going to be hard to talk to them about God and the things of God and the scriptures, but it is your responsibility, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, if you're there as that spiritual influence to model to them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in every situation. That means when the IRS audits you and you don't know why, that response is what they're watching when someone cuts you off in traffic and everything in you wants to, to wave at them and say, praise Jesus, right? In those moments, you are teaching them when you have the opportunity to either get busy with your life or be in the word of God. When you have an opportunity to put other things in front of church and and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I understand all that. But if anyone is going to teach your kids to be faithful to the things of God. To stand firm when the trials of life come. To be faithful and trust God in the boat when the waves are overcoming. It's not going to be here an hour a week. It's going to be with you. It's going to be with you when someone in your family cuts you out of the inheritance. That you rightly deserve. And you respond in a Christian way. I'm meddling and I don't care. It's you who has an opportunity to explode and yell and scream at your spouse. And you extend grace and mercy. You see it's in those moments that Jesse teaches a David to trust God. It's in those moments when Jesse was humble and willing to send David. That David learned to trust God. Friends, what this world needs is godly people, godly parents who will show the next generation to trust God. King David was not King David yet by the world standards, but to God, he already was. And friends, I want to say this this morning because there are three attributes that you need to remember. One, they were humble. They were humble. Jesse was gracious. To a wicked king. David was gracious to a wicked king. The second thing is that God was preparing David for what he had in store for him. You see, David was his armor bearer. He would have got to be with him when he made decisions, when he went to battle, when things were tough. You see, David didn't know that God was giving him training on the job from his employer, but yet his employer didn't know it yet. And friends, many times when you're going through difficulties today, it is because God is preparing for you something greater tomorrow. That God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Parents, you have no idea that when you teaching your children faithfulness and loving God, that tomorrow they might be that next missionary. They, they might not be that next Christian mom who raises the next Billy Graham. You don't know that. But God was preparing David for what he was asking him to do. And so today I want you to think about this. I mentioned earlier that God had allowed you to go through what you have gone through to help someone else. And it's true. You say, Jake, I don't understand why why I lost my job. I don't understand why my best friend has treated me this way. I don't understand why I've had to go through these trials and tribulations. It's one, to prove that God was faithful. But two... Because God is preparing you for something that he's going to bring you to. And third and finally that I hope that you'll apply in your life was when Jesse was humble and when David was willing to be trained, God proved how faithful he was. God proved every time he played the harp, the spirit would go. And friends, this morning you need to understand something. I don't know what God's asking you to do. Maybe today you're here and you're not a Christian. And the Spirit of God has been dealing with you that you know that you need to be born again. I'm not talking about baptized. I'm not talking about the Lord's Supper. I'm not talking about reciting words at Vacation Bible School. I'm talking about a real relationship with Jesus Christ today. One that you know that He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And if I died to die today, I know that I would leave this world and go and be with Him forever. Today, that's what God wants for you. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian and you're saying, Jake, I've made a mess of my life. I've been running from God. I have been putting things in front of God. I've made a mess of my life and I've dealt with those consequences. But today I am ready to get relief, not from the earthly consequences, but to be right with my heavenly father who I will be with forever. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, God's been correcting me. Whoo, Man, I've been in the woodshed. Right? I've just, God's been doing things in my life and I want that to continue. Or maybe you just need, you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I've been through so much and I'm ready for God to use my pain. I'm, I'm ready for God to use my heartache. I'm ready for God to use the victories He's won in my life to make a difference in the lives of other people. I don't know where you're at on that spectrum today. But what I can tell you this is that God loves you. He loved you so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. To bury, to take your sins, to die and be buried and then rise again. And the day that if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, repent of your sins, you shall be saved. I can promise you that He wants to use you. But today you have a choice. You can be like Saul and want a temporary fix to your problems. Or you can be like David. And trust God. Wherever he sends you. Whatever he sends you through. Whatever allow he allows to overcome. And come against you. To trust him that he'll be with you. You see friends that's my prayer. I had an opportunity to model this to my child the other day. And I don't always do a very good job of this. I don't know if you know this or not. And I think I've told this story. But if I have. I'm old and forgetful. So. We were walking through a, a certain establishment the other day, and I won't tell you the name, not because it was like a liquor store or a cannabis store. It was just a local store, okay? Uh, I just don't want to tell you the, the specifics so it gives it away or anything, but it wasn't illegal by any means, or even in this state it's wrong, but not illegal. But anyway, um, anyway, are my kids in here? My, is my wife in here? Are my kids in here? My oldest one? Okay, I think they're in Children's Church, so I'll tell the story. So, well, in the first service, I said, me and my oldest son. And everybody's like, ah! And I'm like, no, no, no. But, but me and my oldest two children were walking through a store here recently, and we're coming in an aisle with uh, uh, someone that wouldn't put water on me if I was on fire. And I spoke and said, hello, how are you today? And they didn't speak back. They just put their head down and walked on. And my second oldest daughter said, um, daddy, they must not have heard you. I wonder if they have hearing trouble like you do. And I said, you know what? They're, you're right. They probably do, right? They they probably got some hearing trouble. And we get in the car, and and I can't remember if we were home or we were almost home. And my oldest child, after my second child was not there, goes, Dad, I think they heard you. And they just didn't say anything. And I told her, I said, you know what Daddy wanted to do? And she goes, what? I said, Daddy wanted to slap them in the back of the head when they walked by. (laughs) That's the honest to God truth. But I said, why didn't I? She goes, because Jesus wants you to love your enemies. Jesus wants you to be kind to those who aren't kind to you. And I said, do you think I should have slapped that person in the back of the head? Her being much more spiritual than me is like, well, no. It's not what God wants or you'd probably get arrested. And, uh, but it was an opportunity for me to show her that there will be people that will hate you for no reason. There will be people that will speak unkind of you. There will be people that that betray you. There will be people that fail you. And you do not get a free pass to respond however you want. You have to trust that God will work it out. You have to trust that God will take care of it. And parents, if you don't teach your children that, the world will teach them to be vindictive. The world will teach them to be spiteful. The world will teach them that get yours as much as you can, when you can, because this life is all that it is. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us things that Jesus taught us that are not possible without the Spirit of God. And I don't know about you, but I want my children to know the Lord. I want my children to be able to look back at their father and say, He was a broken man. Whew, he had a lot of faults. But he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. And so today I challenge you parents. I challenge you church. When God gives you the opportunity. When he's giving you the opportunities today. What choice will you make? How will you respond? Like Saul or like David? Pray with me. Father we thank you so very very much for your word. And Lord we just pray that everything that's been said here today. Is honoring to you. Father, I pray that your spirit would begin to work now, right this moment, Lord, as you have already been throughout the service to work and move in people's lives. Lord, I pray for that man, woman, boy or girl that doesn't know you today. Father, that your spirit would begin to convict them and that today would be the day they would trust you as their Lord and Savior, repenting of their sins and calling upon you. Father, I pray for that person who is under conviction that's already a Christian, Lord, for the sin in their life not for salvation, but for service, Lord, that they would come today and say, what I've been watching, what I've been saying, where I've been going, Lord, what I've been doing, it's it's destroying my relationship and my usefulness to you. Lord, help me to be who you want me to be. And third and finally, Lord, and maybe the most challenging for many of us, is Lord, help me to recognize my pain and the situations, Lord, that have hurt me so dearly, Lord, that you've carried me through, that I might be able to use that To bring other people to you and so father whatever that looks like today i pray that you'd work and move for your glory and your glory alone and lord we ask it for jesus glory and in your name amen today as you have been listening to this sermon maybe you have been thinking the holy spirit's been working that i'd like to know more about jesus i'm not sure if i've ever been saved please reach out and contact us we would love to share the gospel with you Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.